it's been about a month. A lot has happened. And uh, more specifically, a lot has happened with the Calgary Flames as they keep uh, handing out extensions left and right, including to one of the big names that they got this offseason. They also signed one of the top free agents still available. We will talk all about that right off the top. Also, the Islanders finally signed some people. We were kind of waiting for that. Uh, we also have a bunch of injuries, a couple of bargain signings here and there, and an uncertain future with the face of the Montreal Canadiens. Episode 331 of the Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Before we get uh, into the show, uh, just a little bit of a quick recap of the World Juniors. Team Canada, surprise, surprise, won it all, although they almost didn't. It was uh, an overtime thriller against Finland. Mason McTavish with an absolutely unreal play defensively. few minutes later, Canada scores the winner. They review the finish scoring chance, determined it did not cross the line, which meant the goal scored by Team Canada minutes later was the game winner. Yep. Um, and uh, F- Finland obviously won silver, and uh, Team Sweden won bronze. Uh, Brett's Americans probably doesn't want to talk about nope. it, but they didn't even get a top four spot. Uh, but uh, before we get to, too deep into the show, Brett, uh, just your thoughts on the World Juniors and yeah. maybe who impressed you. Yeah, it was funny when you mentioned Mason McTavish because, like, I feel like everyone was more talking about that brilliant save that he made, uh, stick yeah. save. That I feel like that's like I feel like every World Juniors there's one moment that everyone remembers, and that certainly is going to be the thing. To the point, that'll be like Jordan Eberle's yeah. goal against Russia. It's going to be yeah. played for eons. To the point that I forget who scored the actual goal. <laughs> uh, it was oh, it, I know exactly who it was. It was um, uh, Kent Johnson. Kent Johnson. That's right. That's right. Right. Um, but so so it's funny. Um, yeah, it's um, in terms of my actual takeaways. I was like, you know, I was on vacation during the whole time. Um, and I would I would watch the Americans play, but it, it didn't feel, feel like it was had the same effect. I thought I would enjoy it just because it's like of like this usually in August is when all this like you know it's just slow news for hockey, and it relatively was, and we'll get into it in a second. But um, but like yeah, so every now and then I would be watching it, but other times I'd just be like I would rather just hang out by the pool or. Um, or I had dinner with family and stuff like that, so it's like I couldn't actually watch. Um, but yeah, the moments that I did, I think it was it was great. Um, it did take it away just a little bit, just from the fact that you knew that like a lot of the big players weren't playing, um, like guys like uh, Eklund, uh, Shane Wright, um, Gunther wasn't playing, so. Um, there's probably a, a lot of other ones, but mostly just that was due to the fact that they were just preparing to hopefully make the team this year. Um, so I understand it from that standpoint where they just didn't want to like injure themselves. Um, so it, it just it didn't have that great of an effect, but 
It was also, you know, it was still fun. It was hockey in August. I can't really complain about that. Um, I guess from, from standouts, um, Zellweger, Olin Zellweger looked really good. Uh, Misa McTavish, obviously, as well as we just talked about. But he also, like, uh, led the whole tournament with, in points. Um, there was he had, seven, he had 17 yeah. points in seven games, eight of those goals. So he was not only uh, scoring at a ridiculous rate, he was also a goal-per-game player. Yeah, yeah. There was also, um, I mean, obviously, uh, Fabian Liesel had his moments at times. Uh, that was nice. Joe Kim Kemmel, who I've already predicted as going to be a standout player for um, for the Nashville Predators and in this draft, but he was already proving my point, so that was good to see. But, um, yeah, but for the most part, I didn't really watch too much of it. But, yeah, I mean, in, in the same sense, it was kind of cool just to have hockey always be around. Like, whenever I was bored on, on vacation, I was just like, oh, let me just watch this game casually. It's also interesting because the uh, the top two Canadian scorers, uh, Mason McTavish and Olin Zellweger, uh, yep. and I'm Ducks prospects. Right. You think you have it good with Zegers and Terry? Yeah. All of the youngsters in the in the folds, uh, those two guys flat out dominated the entire tournament. Yep. And uh, Loki Logan Stankoven also had a pretty good tournament. Uh, Dallas Stars prospect. He had ten points in seven games. And you talk about just the body of work that Mason McTavish had across the regular season, the OHL, uh, close to a goal-per-game guy, um, well over a point-per-game pace in the regular season. In the playoffs, he was money near a goal-per-game again. I think it was 16 goals in 19 games he had in the playoffs with the Hamilton Bulldogs. And then he just shows up and does that as the captain of Team Canada. That's pretty nuts. But Logan Stank, Coven, low-key had an awesome season. 104 points in 59 games. Captain of the Camp Loops Blazers. 17 goals in 17 playoff games. 31 points there. And uh, 10 points in 7 games for Team Canada. Four of those goals. Um, And he was taken in the second round by the Dallas Stars in 2021. Yeah. Bright future ahead for the guy, and he's only 19 years old. Also, yeah. only five foot eight. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Should be noted, nice. not a very big forward. I mean, I, I know that uh, Zellweger is pretty short too, so that that was another reason why uh, Zellweger yeah, wasn't. Yeah, he's a defense yeah. too. Yeah. Like, so yeah. when you take defense, you're expecting, I would imagine, defensemen to be more like right. a, at least six foot, right? You're yeah, expecting yeah. defensemen to have a bit of size to their game. But just just the way he kind of dictated the pace, like um, not Dreisaitl, Drysdale and Zellweger is the one-two punch of that Ducks blue line that already has Cam Fowler. Yeah. Uh, That that team could be pretty good in a couple of years, let me tell you, if they play their cards right. Uh, 5'10 is the exact height. It's only two inches taller than than, uh, Stankoven. Yeah. um, In terms of other guys, um, there was... um Decent defenseman. I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, there was a good defenseman who did uh, very well. Um, I know I'm not that descriptive. I should have been more descriptive here. Uh, what but, team was he? What team was he on? Uh, I believe it was Finland. Oh, it was a defenseman. Oh, Casper uh, Casper Putio. No, no. I think it was a Detroit. A guy, but anyways, anyways, he was good. I, I feel like I shouldn't have even I, brought I know it up. Donovan Zabrango, um, 
from Team Canada's a Detroit prospect, and he, he made some interesting plays too. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll, I'll let you know. I feel like I shouldn't have even brought it up, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that one, that guy was uh, impressive. Um, and also, uh, maybe this was a Detroit prospect that I noticed uh, was um, there was a guy. Um, uh, was it oh, Alexei Heimel-Selmy? No, no. Um, when, when, when do these names all get right? <laughs> yeah, sure. No, no, no. But it, it's all right. Just, just drop it. Uh, <laughs> I'll figure it out. But um, Carter Mazur uh, was... Um, yeah. Uh, the only reason why I have heard of him is because I'm a big college hockey guy. Um, and also, like, I, I have Mazur in my deep... A dynasty league, but there was a point when he had like two goals and two uh, two straight games. Also, also Matthew Coronado, who's more well known than Mazur, is a Calgary Flames prospect. He looked really good. Um, he's at Harvard right now. So, um, so I was I was happy to see those guys because I have those um, those two in a few leagues. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was nice. Um, but anyways, we should get going here. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, while we were away, um, if you couldn't tell, we're both kind of still in <laughs> vacation mode, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, but it was good to, good to have a break. I feel like we haven't had a break from the show for a long while, because usually, you know, there was the uh, COVID stuff, so, like, it was just an extended break. Um, or yeah, the playoffs we were. Like, yeah. it, would, it would be like a two week break right. between episodes. And then there was like a big, yeah. a big, like, yeah. Um, and then there was like a very short break between um, when the playoffs ended to when the draft started. And, and then there wasn't as much time during this period. So it was nice that. Even when yeah. like everything was shut down in 2020, I feel yeah. like we were doing episodes more often than not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had that whole like prospect rankings yep. thing so um so that was that was fun while while it lasted but anyways um the uh yeah uh, some some teams made some moves uh while we were away and it was funny too because usually uh we we email steve and i email each other but <laughs> this time i guess we were like super lazy and we just texted each other uh, different yeah, NHL news because stuff. my email inbox was full and I couldn't yeah. send anything. But I don't know. I, I feel like it added to the vacation feel of our, <laughs> of our lives yeah, at the a moment. Little bit. Where it's just like, oh, okay, I could email this, but I don't know if he's going to check it. So I'll just text him because he'll, he'll see it right away um, or whenever he wants. Um, but yeah, so the big news is the Calgary Flames um, made a couple of, of big uh, splashes already. Um, we know that they they got uh, Jonathan Huberdeau from the Matthew Kachuk trade, but uh, they we weren't sure if they were going to sign him long terms. It felt like there were some reports that they were uh, Huberdeau may may just be like a one and out, which it would be fair. I wouldn't blame him if that's the case. But uh, yeah, it turns out that Huberdeau. Uh, re-signed with the Calgary Flames for eight years at ten point five million, um, and that that puts them at uh, and in Huberdeau is thirty years old. Of course, uh, Huberdeau had the most assists in the league, um, third in points. Uh, second was uh, Gaudreau in, in points, or I guess actually now that I look here, Huberdeau and Gaudreau tied 
for the second most points in the league, which is kind of crazy. Um, but uh, so so that's like a good Gaudreau replacement for them. I think we were talking about that at the same time. Um, and they're around the same age, so this is you know this this could turn out to be pretty uh, good for Calgary. Um, in the long run, of course, it's just a little bit more than uh, what Gaudreau got in uh, Columbus, but I, I think it, it's nice that like for Calgary to lose um, Gaudreau and Kachuk in the same offseason, it's nice that at least they re-signed Huberdeau, and yeah, there, there is a chance that you know this won't age well towards the end, but you could say the same about Gaudreau. Um, and, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, and, and Huberto has been more consistent than Gaudreau has been. Um, and then before I lead it to you, because they made another big move, uh, was uh, Nazem Kadri. Um, they signed Nazem Kadri uh, to a seven-year, seven-million uh, contract deal. Again, um, this is, like, there were reports that Kadri was going to sign with the Islanders, but, like, we knew how weird Lou Lemarillo is with, like, he's so private that we were just thinking, like, oh, okay, it's, like, not 100%, but it seems pretty likely that Kadri's going to go to there. He was, you know, Lou Lamarillo and Kadri were, I, I guess, at that point, Lamarillo may have even drafted Kadri. I, I'm not 100% sure on that, I guess. I don't know if the timelines make sense there. I think that was Brian Burke. Brian Burke was, was that, the drafted cadre. Okay, I guess that does make sense, more sense, yeah. But um, this one, I, I guess, I kind of, I think I may have even said it on the show uh, that, like, I had kind of, like, assumed that Kadri was going to sign with Calgary because he was looking for a contender. Um, and Calgary, I mean, Calgary makes more sense than the Islanders, um, just from that standpoint. Um, yeah, I know that they lost Gaudreau and Kachuk, but, you know, they have Huberdeau. They were in need of centers already, even with Gaudreau and, and Kachuk. Uh, so, like, it, it fills the need for Calgary as well. And, and plus, it's, like, another sign of, like, hey, we, yes, we don't have Gaudreau and Kachuk, but we do have Kadri now. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I could see this also aging poorly. Uh, Kadri had his best year this past season, um, and he's turning 31, or I guess he's already 31 years old right now. Um, so I could see this not working out for them, but, uh, or it could age poorly for them as well. But I don't know. I, I think it, it, it does prove to the fans that, hey, like, yeah, it's going to be tough to replace Kachuk and Goudreau, but it's not bad to get two guys who who could be equal to what Goudreau and Kachuk provided um, in, in the long run, even though they're they're both older than, than uh, those other two that just left. So it, it could end up working out for them, but um, I, I don't think it's like a terrible loss um, in that sense for Calgary. So we'll get to the Jonathan Huberto contract stuff because I feel the main reason why Nazem Kadri is now a Calgary Flame is because Jonathan Huberto was willing to stay now. Not in a couple months from now, not towards the biggest decision of his life next July, right now. Jonathan Huberto from start to finish, 
on this deal is going to be making $10.5 million. Even the final year of his deal, his total salary is $10.5 million. There's no, there's no, um, like, uh, it goes down to like $7 million or $6 million or $5 million in his final years, none of that. It's $10.5 million start to end. You don't see that very often. No move clause the first six years, that was expected. Uh, starting in year seven of his deal, uh, Huberto can list 12 teams he's willing to be traded to, and that carries into the final year of his contract. The signing bonuses, it's pretty signing bonus heavy. 61.5 of the $84 million given to Huberto is signing bonus. So that should be noted as well. Uh, currently, Jonathan Huberto is 29 years old. Uh, so by the time this contract kicks in, he is going to be 30 years old. And when this contract ends, he's going to be 38. That's a long ways away from now. But you know, for hopefully a good chunk of this deal, what Jonathan Huberto can provide, and that's a lot of passes, a lot of very good passes, and a lot of passes that lead to goals. If you probably take a look at uh, his numbers over the past four years, because that's been some of the best years of his hockey, put him up against anyone in the league and assists, and he's probably right up there with the best in the business, if not the best standalone guy. And having a playmaker like Jonathan Huberto gets a lot of people's attention, particularly Nassim Kadri. Uh, Nassim Kadri uh, explains why he chose the Flames in free agency. This is from Pat Steinberg from uh, the Fan Five, uh, from the Fan 960 in Calgary. Excuse me. He says Nassim Kadri tells us other teams offered more in free agency, but the opportunity to win now was a huge factor in his decision to sign with Calgary. Kadri says he put the center depth of him, Elias Lindholm, and Mikhail Backlund up against anyone in the league. Against anyone in the league, his words. I don't think that alone is enough to lure Kadri to signing that contract at any term with Calgary, unless it's maybe for a one-year deal. If you get him on that 7x7, seven seven, it's because you have a playmaker like Huberto that could inflate his numbers a little bit. That, I think, was the icing on the cake. The second they got Huberto locked and loaded, and you heard his comments about Calgary and how he believes in the team, he believes in their vision, and he wants to do everything he can to prove the team right. They obviously gave up a lot to get him. They knew they were giving up a lot to get him, but they felt that he could be a key piece of their offense, and they demonstrated to him that this was the place to win and that he chose the right place to win. And when you have a guy like Jonathan Huberto in the mix and you have him convinced that this is the place to win, I think, I wouldn't say the sky's the limit for the Calgary Flames, but it definitely looks a lot brighter than it did when Gautreaux and Kachuk left. Because now the Huberto contract is signed, yep. uh, there's reports that uh, Uyghur is eager to sign an extension with Calgary. That hasn't happened yet, but um, within the next couple of months, it could also happen as well. Mm. This is where Nazem Kadri's contract could become bothersome. And that would be the rest of Calgary's construction, uh, the rest of the construction of Calgary's roster. Because you have Andrew Mangiapane, uh, locked up for the next three years. They signed him pending RFA. 
to a three-year deal, $5.8 million, had a hot start to the year, cooled off, but they believe in his potential and they believe he's worth that money today. He is going to be a free agent, unrestricted free agent in three years. He is currently 26 years old. Milan Lucic's contract of $5.25 million is coming off the books this year, so that gives a little bit of cap room down the road uh, as well. Um, but some of that, probably all of that, is going to be going to a Mackenzie Weger contract extension. Um, so that should be noted as well. Uh, Oliver Shillington, they signed him to a two-year extension, uh, and he was a uh, restricted free agent, $2.5 million cap for the next two years. He's currently 25 years old, so he is also an unrestricted free agent when that deal ends. Nikita Zadorov, two-year extension, $3.75 million. He will be a UFA uh, when he is 29 two seasons from now. Uh, Chris Tanev, two years left on his deal, $4.5 million. Noah Hannafin, two years left on his deal at $4.95 million. If he continues to elevate his game like he's done the past couple of years, especially on the offensive side, you never know by his age, 27, 28 season, he could be commanding a lot of money. Um, he's currently 25 years old today. Um, and there's also the two main pieces of this conversation, Tyler Toffoli and Elias Lindholm, who I previously mentioned. Tyler Toffoli, currently 30, making $4.25 million for the next two years. Elias Lindholm, we talked about how Jonathan Huberto says he could potentially get Lindholm to 50 goals. Um, that's a, a, It looks like he's going to be the first-line center along with Huberto. Uh, he is currently 27 years old, $4.85 million, one of the biggest bargains in the league. And Tyler Toffoli, 30 years old, $4.25 million, as I said before. Both of those guys, similar to the other guys that I've mentioned, are going to be unrestricted free agents two years down the road. And, oh, Mikael Backlund at $5.35 million, same deal for him as well. A lot of those players are going to be UFAs in two years. So how are you going to work that around with the rest of the roster? If Nazem Kadri is underperforming, he's 32 years old right now, he'll be 39 when this deal ends, they've given him a no-move clause for the first four years of that deal. If he is underperforming like Sean Monaghan did, like Milan Lucic has done since he signed that contract with the Edmonton Oilers, that could be a big fat anchor dragging them down the lake. And that that is the gamble. It's not what Calgary looks like today. It's within the next two to three years as they start to look at their roster. Once they've seen how Nassim Calgary fits into the system, how he's performed over a two-year stretch, that's where you start to see if they're really winners or not. Right mm -hmm. now, this is a gamble that I think is worth making for Brad Living, but two years down the road, it might not look as good as they think it could. And yep. for that, you just have to go out and play the games. But you know what? Hockey's a weird sport. It, it, it could be a, a genius brain play. Uh, right now, I think it couldn't have worked out any better. This offseason could have looked very, very bleak. This yep. season could going in would have lots of uncertainty to it. Um, but it, it, how it works out, it's it's still a coin toss. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think it's you know obviously I think you would still rather have Gaudreau and Kachuk just based off of age alone. Um, 
and and they're all like you know all I was just looking at the the points leaders um, last year and uh, Kachuk finished in top ten um, ahead of Nazem Kadri um, and uh, and like even though Kadri finished fifteenth in points um, you know that, obviously that's still pretty good so it's like yeah I I, th- I think I would still rather have Gaudreau and Kachuk uh, but of course it's like you know if they if they did nothing, um, if Calgary did nothing, then that looks really, really bad. So I, I, I feel like this, both those contracts will be regrettable for uh, uh, towards the latter half of these things, just based off of age. But um, at the same time, like Huberdeau's a playmaking type player, those guys tend to last a little bit longer, just from that style. And Kadri, like, who knows? Maybe Kadri, you know, that could just be a late bloomer. Um, and, you know, he was he was decent even already um, from his Toronto days, just from a scoring standpoint. So it's like, um, he may not ever, like, we may have seen his peak uh, season last year. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, even if you're getting him at his floor, that's still pretty good, which is around, like, maybe 60 points or so. Um, the defense for Nazem Kadri is Colorado early in yep. the season wasn't off to the best start. Yep. Uh, it was talked about in the first 10 games what the heck is up with the Avalanche. Yep. They started to get hot, but they also faced some injuries. McKinnon was a bit banged up, yep. so was Landis Cox, so was Rantanen. And throughout all of that, Nazem Kadri didn't miss a beat yep. and continued to perform. So that's that's not to say, you know, if Huberto's not in his line, this guy can't deliver. I think he can it's just that he's 32 years old today, and yeah. how much of that hockey does he have left? And also, is this a one-hit wonder where this is his best ever season? Like, if you're paying him $7 million and you're expecting this whole production, heck yeah, it's a bargain. Yeah. But if he's putting up 50 to 60 points, $7 million and a no-move clause for the first four years of that deal, is it really worth it? Right, yeah, I get, that is fair. How much does that value the rest of your team as well? Because you yeah. have the rest of the roster to destroy. You know? Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's the risk there. What's interesting here is I'm looking at Cap Friendly's uh, depth chart. Um, and by the way, we will talk about the, the Sean Monaghan trade in a second. But uh, I am looking at their j- depth chart, and I'm noticing that they have... Uh, so the top line they have is Huberto, Lindholm, and Toffoli. Um and then the second line, they have Banjupani, Kadri, and Blake Coleman. And I wonder if it's like to your point, it's like if you're uh, if you sign someone like Kadri uh, for seven by seven, like shouldn't he be a first line center? I mean, I, Elias Lindholm is is really good, of course, but um, I do wonder if like eventually they do make him a top line center. Um, if if. Uh, he's not being if he starts to have a disappointing start to the season. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that you should definitely consider, yeah. and you know, out for the Flames if it yeah. means he's underperforming and they give him less money on his next extension. Right, it actually worked out for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jonathan Huberto, by the way, the only guy with more assists than him over the past four years is McDavid. Uh, oh. Johnny Huberto has two hundred forty-three helpers in two hundred eighty-six games. Since the start of the 2018-19 season, McDavid is 289, just for the record. Uh, also, Johnny Gaudreau in that same list has the ninth most assists with 208 in 290 games. 
Yeah. So that's that's decent. Yeah. Um, not, not, not a bad loss for yeah. Calgary. They only get Jonathan Huberdeau. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. To an extension. Um, in terms of so uh, because of these two signings, Calgary, of course, uh, reached. They were at the the um, they couldn't afford it, um, or they were at the the cap hell as it's called. I guess they still kind of are um, at at cap hell at this point. Uh, so they, oh no, never mind. They have two million left um, in cap space. If they, I mean, I doubt they <laughs> spend that now. But anyways, uh, they traded uh, Sean Monahan for future considerations as well as a 2025 first round picks. Um, it's our 2025 first round pick, not picks. Um, it's a conditional. There's all these. It's it's kind of crazy because it gets convoluted here. Because then the like, caller Kevin Shattenkirk condition yeah. to a mid round. Yeah. I think it was was complicated. Check yeah. This out. Yeah, I even like uh, there were like I saw this like flow chart basically of like what like what pick Montreal ends up getting because it's like a twenty five pick. But like the thing is, is that like. Calgary has the Florida pick or something like that, so it's just like it gets really confusing. Um, but, um, but yeah. Anyways, the, the point of the matter is I don't even feel like reading because it, it gets I so. Will, if you want, I'll yeah. be as confused while reading it, but I'll. No, read no, it. no! Don't don't read it. It'll take too long. Um, no, no! Don't don't read it. Yeah, it's long. It's long. If you want to read it, just look it up at on Cap Friendly. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I'll give you the context of the conditions, the primary context. A lot hinges on what happens with the Florida first-round pick in 2025 that Calgary got from, you know, the Matthew Kachuk, Jonathan Hubert right. swap, um, and where those picks fall. Also, this is three drafts down the road, yeah. let's be clear, because we have 2023 to get to, then 2024, then we have 2025. Yeah. We don't even know what stage Florida's going to be in. Maybe they suck. Maybe Calgary also sucks then. Yep. And, heck, we don't even know what team Sean Monaghan's playing on at that point. Or if he's so, still in the league. Yeah. yeah a lot so, could change yeah. in three years. Yeah, so yeah. that first round pick could be anything. Right, right. Exactly. But, but we know that at some point, Montreal will get a first round pick from the Calgary play. In 2025, yes. Um, along with the player that they could get more value for, and they gave yeah. up absolutely nothing. Right, and uh, future considerations goes to Calgary, which basically yeah, just means it, nothing. It's cat's face. Yeah, it's basically. More often than not, it's cat's face. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, I, I, like, you know, I think um, before this season, I felt like uh, Monaghan, like, even if he remained on the uh, Calgary Flames, I felt like he could have been, like, a sneaky sleeper pick. Um, but, like, yeah, even more so in Montreal, because... Like, yeah, they have Nick Suzuki here, um, but, like, you know, in terms of, like, other centers that Montreal has, I guess they have Kirby Dock, uh, Christian Dvorak, who they got last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see Sean Monaghan, uh, like, just getting a change of scenery, and, and this could end up working out for him. Of course, I know that he was injured and he had to get surgery, so maybe that was ultimately what ended up being the, the killer for him. Um, and, and you never know with injuries, of course, with, with players. But, um, but yeah, I could definitely see Sean Monaghan working out for Montreal. Um, and it, it was definitely a trade that was... Oh, sorry, I, I just, just one last point. Uh, Sean Monaghan 
could end up being like it, I feel like this trade is like good for both sides. Um, at Calgary gets the cap space, um, and then Montreal gets this like guy who who used to be pretty good, um, but and and might not be, but it's someone that you just take a chance on uh, just during the, this time when they don't really like they they can't afford to do so. So I, I like this move for for both teams. This is a situation, and I say this as a Sens fan watching a rebuild a couple years ago unfold. Yes. This is the stage where the Sens have a lot of short-term, or, uh, or, sorry, uh, changing teams now. This is a situation where the Habs have a lot of assets, and you and I, I think, have uh, mentioned this. Uh, I think you, you sent a tweet to me on, uh, on my phone. And it basically just showed all the forwards that Montreal has. Yep. Like you mentioned Kirby Doc, you mentioned um, uh, a bunch of other names, Nick Suzuki being one of them, now Sean Monaghan and Christian Dvorak. They also have Mike Hoffman, they have Josh Anderson, they have Correct. Brendan Gallagher. Uh, a lot of those names, not all of them, but uh, a good amount of them, are on short-term deals. Some of them are entering contract years. Monahan has one year left at that cap. It. If you really, really like him, maybe you keep him around for a little bit, maybe for a year or two, and see how things go from there, um, and let the young guys develop. Yep. Maybe you trade him at the deadline, like the Sens did with a lot of their short-term pieces, and get whatever futures that you can for them. If he has a breakout season and you get a first-round pick for Sean Monahan, boom! There's two first-round picks in that trade where you gave up absolutely nothing. Like, yep. it's it's a win-win for Montreal because, obviously, they gave up nothing. But I, I think Sean Monahan still has potential. He's got plenty to give. But let's call spade a spade. The last couple of years, we saw major aggression. When you look at the ridiculous plus-minuses that Calgary's players put up last year, and Monahan was like a minus 15 or something, and wasn't even close to like like half a point-a-game player, and obviously battling injuries as well, but the previous couple of years of regression that he had, he was going to be the odd man out, even if it became clear that they had to trade someone away for cap space reasons. Like, it, it, even if... Even if, like, they were totally fine on the cap space front. If you're Calgary and you want to improve your roster, you got Milan Lucic and Sean Monahan just sitting there making a combined 12 to $13 million for two assets that offensively aren't pulling the weight as much as other guys are. Like, that's not a good use of cap space right there. So yeah. you need to trade away one of those guys to optimize the rest of your roster to fill other holes in your lineup. So Sean Monahan, in my opinion, was expendable regardless. Um, I just hope he goes out there and gets his game back on track. It wasn't going to happen in Calgary, in my yeah. opinion. Now that he has a fresh lead in Montreal, I'm interested to see what he does. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if he's traded closer to the trade deadline, maybe sooner than that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I just hope Sean Monahan just gets his game back on track. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I think there is potential that he uh, could just have a bounce-back season. 
But um, but yeah, we'll see. You never know with the injuries. It does feel like it, that was the thing that was hindering him, yeah. and, and maybe that is something that will force him to retire early on in his life. But we'll see. I can just imagine Steve Daniels' trade trees ten years from yeah, now. Yeah, will be fine. And they're gonna like say how this deal was an absolute steal for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, maybe. And it just, we'll see. It just shows the downfall of the Calgary Flames, the slow rise of the Montreal Canadiens, and all the freaking assets yeah. they got on their side of the trade tree. Yes, yeah. because trades are weird. Like you said, ever everyone thought the Eric Carlson trade tree from Ottawa to San Jose was not even close to good value for Ottawa. Freaking Josh Norris and Tim Stutzler are killing it in Ottawa, and Carlson's yeah. uh, on the decline in his thirties. Like, well, Carlson, that? Carlson may not be terrible, um, but this well, year it, it's I just mean, more injuries. Probably yeah. contributed to that, yeah. but I mean, like, what are the odds? Like that yeah. pick, that first round pick becomes overall, uh, uh, and Josh Norris is a yeah. No, 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 no. Fair point. I mean, I'm just saying it's not like Eric Carlson's like terrible uh, now. Yeah, but, no, yeah. but it's just that everyone thought yeah. the Sharks were winning this trade, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden, well, Ottawa didn't do that bad, actually. Right, right, right. Totally fair. Um, yeah. anyways. first or the last time, folks, I will recite that trade. <laughs> you already have. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess the question is, will this work for Calgary? I think we kind of already answered this. It's like, it's tough to really say, but I, I think it's like, more at this point, it's like, they could have done worse. And um, and we'll see. Um, for, for now, I'd say it's a winnable situation. They're in a favorable division where they can keep up with everybody else in the Pacific Division. They can contend for a title. But in terms of winning the Stanley Cup, that it, it all depends on where all the other chips yep. fall because you still have Colorado to deal with. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they're probably going to be good for a long time. All right. Speaking of Colorado and Kadri, um, the... Uh, New York Islanders, uh, so as I mentioned before when I was starting this off, uh, there were just, like, rumors that uh, Kadri was going to go to the Islanders, uh, but, like, you know, Lou Lamarillo is, like, one of the weirdest GMs in the league. Not Actually, not one of. He is the weirdest GM in the league. Uh, to the point where, uh, before, like, before he made all these different signings, they, uh, the Islanders had zero signings altogether. Um, until like this moment where I guess this is just what uh, Lou Lamarillo does, where he just makes all his signings together in one in one full swoop, uh, which is just interesting. It, it's like you know, I guess it doesn't really matter when you start, when you do this, but it is kind of ridiculous when you think about it, just because it's like okay, this just means that um, he's uh, like. You know, if he's not going to do this early on, then that just means they they don't end up getting like any high profile free agents um, and, and things like that. I guess it's just because Lou Lamarillo hates um, hates leaks and and uh, people just uh, spreading misinformation and things like that. But um, but I'm sure it definitely hurts him that he he didn't get Gaudreau, he didn't get Kadri, and uh, now he's just doing re-signings and things like that. Um, so yeah, on August 22nd, he made uh, three big moves, or quote-unquote big moves. Um, he signed uh, Alex Romanoff and uh, Noah Dobson. Dobson gets uh, three years at $4 million, and uh, Romanoff gets uh, three years at $2.5 million. He also signs uh, Kiefer Bellows, who could be decent this year, but uh, one year, $1.2 million. Um, and then uh, he also signs um, th- like the following 
couple days, he signs, um, or the next day, actually, he signs uh, Dennis Chalowski, Paul Ledoux, Hudson Fashing, and Arnaud Duranadu. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that'll be funny if he, that guy ever makes it into the league, but that's quite a name. Um, but anyways, I, I think for the most part, we're just going to talk about the, the first two that we talk, mentioned, Noah Dobson and Romanoff. Uh, Dobson actually had a pretty good year. Um, I think I kind of predicted this when we were talking about Pulak being signed last year uh, because Noah Dobson was just waiting the wings and uh, uh, boy was I right about that. 51 points in 80 games, low key, pretty good. Um, and uh, yeah, not, not that many people noticed that, I guess. Um, whereas Pulak had 21 points in 56 games last year, which is, you know, it's, it's okay, but not great. Uh, for a defenseman, um, but uh, yeah, so it seems like Noah Dobson's going to be like the defenseman of the future for them. Um, as for Romanoff, I guess that is a move that the Islanders did make because uh, they they traded for him in uh, the 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 draft. But um, and and he could end up being pretty good uh, for them on a new team. Um, there was a report that like, he's just been uh, Romanoff and uh, Sorokin have been. Um, just hanging out by the by their beach pool or house or whatever um, all day because they they have the Russian connection of course as well so so yeah this could also end up looking good for them too um, and it's like you know it's just a decent contract for for uh, Romanov um, and uh, yeah I I, I kind of like these two moves and we'll see how it goes and Bellows is a lo- could also be a low key nice move for them too but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The Islanders are, are a weird team, I feel like, even without Lamarillo, because they don't, re- like, other than Barzal, they don't really have any standout players, but they have a few, like, average guys that could end up thinking, but I feel like they're just always going to be in the middle of the pack. Um, they're never going to be contenders, and they're never going to be, um, like, lottery teams. They're just middling um, entirely. But I, I don't, that being said, I don't hate this move for them and of course they made the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row um, uh, a few years ago so um, so yeah it could it could be uh, you know maybe this is just a retooling for them but um, and I know that Lamarillo said that like he kind of took a shot at Columbus and Calgary saying that like yeah they just uh, they feel like the good like he he didn't say Gaudreau and Kadri are gonna age poorly but he basically said as much um but uh so he kind of he kind of mentioned like yeah we, we just didn't like the prices that were out there um but i i don't know if i necessarily buy that i'm sure he's he's kind of mess uh pissed off that he did, he couldn't sign either one of those guys or the price was just too big because let's not yeah. forget while Lule Morello is one of the most interesting GMs in the NHL actually he is the most interesting he also signed Ilya Kovalchuk to that regrettable contract that within three years was null and void because Kovalchuk just went out to Russia and said I'm done playing in the NHL yeah, but, but wait 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 like, hold how, on how can that not alter your future decisions if you're Lule Morello well, well, wait wait hold on because that cost the devil so much yeah, but at the same time, the the Devils ended up making the Stanley Cup Finals because of Kovalchuk, and he was their best player. <laughs> like, I I don't think they regret. That. Yeah, sure, they regret it in the long term, but the the Devils were like 
the Devils that that puts the Devils to a Stanley Cup final. I don't I don't think he regrets that at all. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on you know, like the the, the again the thing with Nazem Kadri is again he's thirty two years old. Okay. And you're not sure how much depth you're going to get for Kadri at that age moving forward. Yeah. Noah Dobson and Alex Romanov are currently 22 years old. They will be RFAs once these deals expire. And they're already at bargain price because, as you mentioned, Dobson got 50-plus points. He continues to excel at that rate. So that $4 million is yep. easily one of the biggest bargains in NHL history. That's yep. John Klingberg gas bargain. Yeah. And Alexander Romanov, uh, one thing he does very well is hit people. As a rookie, he had 138 hits in 54 games with the Montreal Canadiens, blocked 60 shots as well. 227 last year on a very bad Montreal team, also put up 107 shots, only scored three times, but right. he's not an offensive wonderkin on the back end. But still, 227 hits, 144 blocked shots, and over 20 minutes of ice time. The Islanders have this habit of you put out Pelican Pollock and you let the other guys excel in their craft. And Noah Dobson was able to excel in his. I think Alex Romanov will find that extra gear that hasn't been tapped into enough and he's really going to improve his game in the next couple of years. Everything's just going to come together. And Ilya Sorokin, who is already rock solid, um, I don't think last year was a fluke at all. I think he is that good, and he'll continue to be that good as well. Um, the only problem with the New York Islanders is they're in a very tough division. A lot of the heavyweights in that division haven't changed, and they haven't really gained a leg up on any of the competition. Yeah. And even if they bring in some Kadri, I don't know how much better they really are. Yeah. Also, you have to consider Ilya Sorokin's the UFA in two years. Uh, let's see who else is a noble UFA. Anthony Beauvillier is a UFA in two years. Uh, both of those guys are making four four point one million dollars a year. Barzal is an arbitration eligible RFA after this year. His current cap it is seven million dollars. So you kind of need to figure out and establish what the strengths and weaknesses are and what they are once you sign a guy. And the fact of the matter is, Nazem Kadri was the big fish out there, and after that big fish, the Islanders didn't really have anybody outside of veterans that you could bring in under like bargain signings, like mm-hmm. Phil Kessel, let's say, at the time. Right. And we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, you look at, as I mentioned before, next year's UFA class, it's stacked. It's even more stacked than it was this year. Maybe the Islanders get one of those guys. And <laughs> I feel like we've been kicking that door out. And then they'll get some yeah. next year. And then they didn't. Okay, what about next year? Right. And then they didn't. But you got guys like Ryan O'Reilly, one of the best two-way centers in the game. He could be up for grabs. Who really knows? There's Vladimir Tarasenko who could be up for grabs. There's JT Miller. There's yeah. Patrick Kane. There's a lot of huge high-end stars with lots left in the tank that the Islanders could pick and choose from this year. And if they're able to bounce back and catch a lot of those stars' attention, maybe next offseason is the time where they get the big fish that they're looking for. Or during the, the trade big fish to Best compliment Matt Barzell's game. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe it's next year. And as he said, as Lemarello said, and it's very cliche, but it's true. Sometimes the best trades are the ones you don't make, or the best signings. Yeah. And not giving Kadri seven million dollars a year means that seven million dollars you can spend elsewhere next time. I maybe that seven million dollars is better spent. See, that's where I don't buy it necessarily. I know I just talked about how like the Kadri contract could uh, hurt them long term or just age poorly as well. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, if if the Islanders had signed Kadri, I I think that the like you could make the case that the Islanders would make the playoffs. Um, now without Kadri on the team, I don't think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. Um, so that's where I disagree with you. And the same can be said about Goudreau as well. Um, so, um, so yeah, that, that part I don't necessarily agree with because it's like sometimes you do have to take that risk of like, you know, uh, going for guys that are going to help you now, even if it is a terrible contract in the long term. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I truthfully think that, you know, Lam- Lamarillo was very close to getting Kadri, but Kadri is just like, you know what, it's easier to make the playoffs in the Pacific Division than it is in the Metro. And he just went with the Calgary Flames and um, instead. And, and like, if, uh, if Kadri had signed with the Islanders, um, I, I think Lamarillo would be saying something completely different than what he's saying right now. Um, and, yeah, I guess that's just something that we'll have to agree to disagree with. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess there's that point. Um, all right. Uh, I actually found out the guy I was talking about about the World Juniors. It's Emil Andre. He wasn't. He wasn't in Finland, so I'll give you. I yeah, I will give you the. Scandinavian country. Yeah, I I will say that I I'll give you the the like a, a some some uh, level of uh, benefit of the doubt there, but because um, I led you astray, but he did look pretty good. Um, all right. Uh, in terms of other news here, um, uh, there's uh, reports that uh, Robin Leonard, um, or not reports, that it's confirmed. Uh, he there was like reports early on in the season that he was just going to be out for like the first couple of months, um, but because he's just getting surgery. But now it's uh, very likely that he's just going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, and he's effectively out. Um, and yeah, this is uh, kind of some weird karma for Vegas because, like, just if they had Marc Andre Fleury, they wouldn't have to worry about goalies. Um, but or worry about this so much. But the factor that, uh, yeah, they, they did have Logan Thompson. And to be fair to Thompson, he did look decent enough when Robin Leonard was out towards the end of the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he could end up being the guy. Uh, Laurent Brassois, um is also injured, but he's he's probably going to be the, the guy for them there. Um, I think, unfortunately for Vegas, they don't really have a ton of options now um, in terms of goalies because all of them are now on teams um, or just signed with teams. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know what they end up doing. Um, 
because it's just they're they're going to have to rely on Lauren Brassois or and uh, Logan Thompson uh, for the the rest of this uh, season um, if they don't make any big moves. I guess what they could do is like they could wait till like trade deadline and maybe make some new moves of like a rental goaltender or something like that. But but I I would imagine I wouldn't be shocked if they like go out and get a goaltender. Um, but, uh, yeah, the thing that kind of does concern me about Robin Leonard is this is the same surgery that uh, Tuga Rass had last year, and that ended up uh, forcing Tuka to retire. Um, and I, I just hope that's not the, the same fate for, for Leonard. Um, Leonard is slightly younger than Rask is um, by this point, so it's it's... And you just never really know with goalies, especially when you see, like, what happened to Ben Bishop. Um, there's another goalie that's, like, you know, just goalies with injuries. It's it's always just kind of, like, it's up in the air for them. So, um, so yeah, this, this looks kind of... Or Carey Price, who we're about to talk about, is another one. Um, so, it's, it's just, like, I, I feel like we're not going to get the same Robin Leonard when he's back, even if the surgery is successful and he's a decent goaltender back, but... You know he's still like 31 years old i'm just i'm just worried that he's not gonna be the same um and yeah we'll, we'll end up seeing if i'm i hope i'm wrong but we'll see um but yeah i the, vegas is kind of screwed in goal now um but maybe maybe logan thompson can be the guy we'll see yeah so um apparently needs surgery on both of his hips which uh having surgery on one side of the yeah. hip is yeah. enough pain to go through and you kind of need your hips for and if you're goaltending yeah yeah even worse if you're a goaltender yeah right. that 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 could be pretty debilitating um in terms of your performance um and, and it just sucks for robin because like yep. i said i always have a soft spot for robin leonard when yep. he's on his game he's arguably like worst top five goalie in the like right. he can be that dominant. We saw with Chicago. We saw with the Islanders. At times we've seen him with Vegas, but he, at, at various times last year he just didn't look right. And I'm just curious how long he was battling this injury. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of the short term future, uh, apparently General Manager Kelly McCrimmon said the tandem is going to be Laurent Brassois and Logan Thompson uh, for the time being. They're going to go with that tandem should be noted that jake allen is a free agent after this year so is uh semyon varlamov uh i think both of those guys could be expendable um and trade bait for contending teams that are looking for short-term fixes uh but you know what i think it's very refreshing for vegas to i don't know trust the guys they have instead of just going for someone else for a change, so I'm hoping uh, Bruce Cassidy uh, is maybe getting the off, uh, front office to think differently and just trust the guys that they have in the locker room. It's yep. a pretty interesting concept and very bold. I'd like to see if it pays off. Yep. Um, at, at the very least, you see in the first couple of months what their goaltending team is like, as I do realize, and I'm sure a lot of people realize, that they're putting a lot at stake over the next couple of years in particular, and they're not going to let a successful goaltending tandem screw the pooch on that. But at the same time, they're a team constrained by cap, and uh, they also need to sign Nick Hague, and uh, there's other things 
Uh, you already have Shea Weber's contract on LTIR. Probably Leonard's contract yeah. is going to be hitting LTIR for all of this year. Um, so, yeah, it, it limits Vegas's ability of what as to what they can do. Maybe they want to make some other moves to improve their roster, in which case getting a goalie doesn't make sense. Um, so I think they're really, really hoping that uh, Logan Thompson and Laurent Bossois have what it takes. And maybe they don't need to think about a goalie of the future. If Logan Thompson can go out there this year and prove that he is the goalie of the future, even if Robin Leonard isn't back to being old Robin Leonard when he's healthy and ready to go, hopefully he's healthy and ready to go and this isn't the end for him, um, then, then, hey, good for Vegas. They've established who their goalie of the future is. And they don't have to go out and make a trade for a young goalie or a proven veteran goalie uh, just for the sake of um, putting all their eggs into a championship basket for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a tough situation for them. But you know what? A lot of other hockey teams have dealt with it. They dealt with a lot of adversity in their first year, and they did all right, too. Yeah. So. Uh, I think if they have character and resolve, um, they'll find a way to get they'll find a way to get victories no matter who's in the net. And I think Bruce Cassidy is definitely the type of coach in this situation that you know what if Vegas is in a tough situation, I trust that will be the coach to get them out of it. Yeah, that's true. It's a very similar position that he was in with uh, with Boston as well. So it's like yeah. I can I can totally that, see that it. worked out pretty well. You know. Yeah. Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman were right. solid one-two punch. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Brad or if you want me to mention it, but oh, I'm about to. Ready. They they got from Carolina. He's going to be out months. Yeah, I will. A separate injury. I will. I I will yeah, mention that, that. That's a, that's a tough blow. Uh, while we're talking about Vegas injuries. Well, well, well. He's not on Vegas anymore. But. Uh, no. And and I was going to talk about it pretty soon, as as we mentioned yeah, before the well, show. Yeah. Well, okay. So they pro- Okay. Well, they probably trade Patrick even more now if he's not going to play for them. Right. Um. But uh. Yeah. So. Anyways. Um. Yeah. I was just looking at the the list of goaltenders next year. I guess they, there's like Jonathan Quick, Varlamov, uh, Bishop, although he's retired. Uh. Anderson. Uh. Bernier, Talbot, Jari, yeah, so a couple of these guys. It's like, okay, I don't think they're gonna trade for him. Mackenzie yeah, Blackwood, Bernier's maybe. Bernier's health is also in question yeah. too, so yeah. they probably definitely yeah. don't do that. So, so I, I do hear what you're saying that like it does make sense for Vegas, like logical sense for Vegas to just stay like stay the course and just see how things go with Logan Thompson, yeah. and that's probably what they're gonna do. At the same time, this is Vegas we're talking about. This is like the same team that went out and got Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty um, one year after their their uh, record-setting season. They also went out and got Jack Eichel. They signed Alex Petrangelo. They signed, they traded for Robin Leonard. So it's like I I could totally see Vegas just like just trading a bunch of prospects. <laughs> For, was it for like, I that suggested, hey, maybe they offer she Jake Edinger. Yeah, yeah, I I did suggest that, but I because uh, reportedly Jake Edinger um, and Dallas are far apart, um, and which makes sense because they have to sign uh, Jason Robertson as well, but Edinger wants slightly more or something like that. So there is maybe they offer she both. Yeah. come on, it'll be <laughs> yeah, that'll be actually that'll be pretty funny. Next gamble twice as hard. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I feel like they're they're like, I mean, I'm I was slightly joking when I mentioned that, but I don't know. I could like there there is a potential that Vegas does that. Yeah, yeah, there is that potential that uh, Vegas does that. They see that like a player is there's some reports there that Ellinger is unhappy and may not sign. Okay, let's let's see if we can get him, uh, type of thing. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Also, also, do you know um, what Jack Eichel and Jake Ettinger have in common, other than being uh, unhappy with their original team? Other than being happy with their original team, unhappy. Um, they played at Boston University. Yeah, Yes, yes, that, that was what I was going for. I um, was, I hesitate at university because it's like, I always get the two things yeah. up, Boston College or right. Boston uh, yeah, It is confusing, I can understand that, but uh, yeah. I so know there, Boston there's College is the Terriers and Boston University is the, no, yeah. <laughs> my God, Boston University is the Terriers, Boston College is the Eagles. Yep, yep, <laughs> I was about to correct you, I was about to correct you. I, <laughs> you knew that, and I still screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, but anyways, I'm a broad Boston sports man. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. So I I could totally see that, um, but uh, but it's probably not going to happen. Uh, we didn't even mention though that Phil Kessel he signed with Vegas, so they have him. It was one year, uh, one point five million. Uh, currently on Cap Friendly, they have him as the third line right winger, which I don't really understand because I could uh, I would imagine he'll be on the top six. Um, he's definitely not out uh, matching Mark Stone, but he's definitely better than Riley Smith, who they have as the second line right winger. Anyways, I, I know Phil Kessel had like a bad year last year, but at the same time, he had 52 points in 82 games. Um, Iron Man streak, which is exactly what Vegas wants, is they want guys who can play. Um, but 52 points in 82 games isn't bad, considering uh, Kessel was playing for the worst team in the league by a long shot in the Arizona Coyotes. Um, so, and yes, he had eight goals, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I really like this signing for Vegas. It's like, yeah, he may not be as good as he once was. Um, and that's probably still true, but um, I, I feel like this uh, this will end up working out for Vegas. Um, like this could this could be a nice nice signing for them. Everyone, I'm sure, remembers the 2016 Pittsburgh Penguins team that won the Stanley Cup, and we remember how freaking lights out Phil Kessel was, and that's largely because. He was in a situation where Crosby and Malkin handled the workload, and he just went out there and played hockey, similar to what Nassim Kadri did in Colorado uh, the last couple of years this year in particular. Phil Kessel, on a very bad Arizona team, still put up 52 points. Yes, no double-digit goal total. Who cares? 52 points on a bad Arizona Coyotes team heading into your 40s isn't all that bad. Mid, mid to late 30s. He's 35, yeah. Yeah, 35. He's, he's got plenty of hockey left if he's put in the right situation, especially. And I feel what Vegas is trying to do is recreate the vibes that Pittsburgh had 
when they won the cup in 2016, and that was the HBK line, the Hagelin Bonino Kessel line. And if there's one thing we all know about Vegas is, yes, they have a good top line. Yes, their second line is on point. Beyond that, what do they have? If you can put together a solid third line with either Riley Smith or Phil Kessel on the on the right wing slot, you have Nick Roy as the center, who you just uh, committed $3 million to per year for the next five years. Pretty solid bargain there. And Nolan Patrick as the left winger, who hasn't lived up to the second overall pick expectations largely because of injuries if you can get that third line going and get some solid production out of that third line that could be the missing piece that vegas needs to get back to their dominant ways the third line a reliable consistent third line is what's holding them back right now yeah and if Phil Kessel can contribute on that third line offensively in yeah. all the right ways. If he can be a decent two-way player, uh, if he can keep up with the play and the scheme fits, this could be the biggest deal of the NHL offseason. I really do believe that. Yeah. Uh, according to, uh, so this was in an article in The Athletic, according to McCrimmon, uh, he said that Kessel will have a power play utility for Bruce Cassidy I know speaking with Bruce about that, that's an area where Phil has been successful in the past, and that's a role so that I'm sure he'll have with our team this year. So, And you know what also I noticed about Vegas' offense? Their power play sucks. Right, yeah, that's true. So, too. hey, Phil Kessel can fix that. Yeah. Another pro. The other thing, too, is Kessel has, uh, he he's about to reach that Ironman streak of a 1,000 straight games. Um so, uh, and that's another thing Vegas needed from last year, too, is they had, like, pretty much half of their team was on IR at, for the entire yeah. season. So, you have a guy who's as reliable, he's at least going to play uh, to the point where, like, he'll play even when his kid's about to be born. Uh, yeah, you, you add... Yeah, you he add, also has that Iron Man streak, right? That's, that's what I was just... That's, that's just what I was saying, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, once again. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> I literally just said that. <laughs> uh, but, but yes, uh, so so Phil Kessel could end up being um, there. I do wonder, like, because now they have Cap Friendly says that they have Chandler Stevenson as the first line left winger. Yes, they have uh, William Carlson as the center. Um, on the second line. So I wonder if maybe they move Kessel as a left winger uh, for one of these teams. Because, yeah, uh, you're not replacing Jonathan Margeso, but maybe they moved uh, William Carlson down to the third line um, and you just move uh, you move uh, Kessel up. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it will, I, I, I am curious to see how they, they move him because I don't think what Cap Friendly has as their depth chart is going to be what the, the lineup is for the opening season. Um, yeah, but yeah we'll um, and that was one thing where I th- uh, until I saw the daily face-off uh, line combinations, which Ad Kessel is a third-line right winger, Yeah, um, I thought, well, you can put him on the same line as Mark Stone. Right. Because you know, like Max Pacioretty right. and Mark Stone were a nice combination. Maybe maybe the chemistry's there with uh, Kessel and Stone, but yeah. yeah, he would probably have to be especially left-winger gang. Getting back just quickly to the power play point, Vegas had 39 power play goals for in the 2021-2022 season. Yep. 
That is 26 out of 32 teams. Uh, not ideal. Power play uh, time on ice per game uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Just taking a look here. Um, oh, even worse. Uh, 4.25, 4 minutes, 25 seconds per game. That's 27th out of 32 teams. So on top of not really scoring too much, uh, they also weren't getting too much power play time either. Um, so it, it, it should be noted that um, maybe another maybe another way for Vegas to, I don't know, score power play goals is get more chances. Again, having an offensive weapon like Phil Kessel, if he's causing problems, if he's creating turnovers, that's a high risk of uh, the other team taking a penalty or giving up a high danger scoring chance. So yeah. there, there's there's another attribute worry about. Well, and that, that's why I feel like if, uh, according to what McCrimmon is saying, it's like, okay, if you're going to use him as the power play guy, then that that doesn't sound like a top, like a, a third-line player to me. Then that makes it seem like they see him as a top six guy. Um, it's just, I, I, I could see them working around that and making him into the top six. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, 212 power play opportunities. Yep. The only two teams who had fewer... The New York Islanders with 208, and the very bad Arizona Coyotes with 202. In case you're wondering where the San Jose Sharks rank, because it all comes back to the San Jose Sharks when you're talking about Vegas, they were 29th with 216 power play opportunities, so only slightly better than the Golden Knights at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so now we go to the uh, former uh, Vegas Golden Knights player, Max Pacioretty, um, who yeah. Steve had alluded to. Uh, <laughs> If he was paying attention to. Stuck in time and still yeah. thought he was on Vegas, even though I mentioned he was on Carolina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and I, I did tell you that we were going to talk about it, too. But um, but anyways, he uh, he's out for uh, six months, which would bring him to early February. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's on Carolina. This is a rough blow, but I guess it makes some sort of sense as to why... Um, Vegas was able to trade Pacioretty for like future considerations uh, early on in the summer, um, but that is assuming that both Vegas and Carolina knew what they were going to do. Um, but yeah, I, I am curious to see what Carolina does in the meantime um, for that spot for them. I wonder if they do go out and get a left winger as well. Maybe that's definitely possible. I mean, they could do worse considering the fact that Taravainen and Sveshnikov are their left wingers at the moment, according to Cap Friendly. Um, and, but yeah, I, I do wonder what they're going to do. Um, also, on the topic of Carolina, they signed Paul Stasny, which is a sneaky nice nice ad for them. Um, he has 45 points in 71 games, 21 goals, uh, which is the, the big kicker. Um, yeah, he's 36 years old, but the thing is, is that like, Right now, they have Todd Kudniemi as their second-line center. I would imagine uh, Stasny will be the second-line center uh, to re- end up replacing Vincent Trocek. Um, I don't know if they necessarily see Todd Kudniemi taking that step. I know that they, they paid him a lot uh, to do that, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like they got Paul Stasny just so that, like, as a stopgap uh, for, for Kotka and the Emmy. 
Um, and Jack Drury, who might low-key be pretty good for them, too. Um, so, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll end up seeing what they do, but I I really like that that underrated signing for Paul Stasny. But, yeah, what do you have on Pacioretty and the Stasny signing? Yeah, so uh, taking a look at their Hurricanes and their power play opportunity, you said they had 232, which was 20th out of 32 teams. The good news is they scored 51 times, and their power play percentage was 22%. Also, as you mentioned, yeah, they lose Nassim Kadri. Oh, what the heck are they going to do? They only have Timu Teravine and Andre Svechnikov. Yep. What a luxury. Um, there are, like as, as we established, a lot of big names. Wait, by the way, you, you, you said, um, this is another thing. I, did, I feel like I have to point this out. Uh, you, you said Kadri. You, <laughs> they were losing Kadri. <laughs> they're, they're losing Pacioretty. <laughs> Probably, probably still it's all right. I'm, I'm going to take it to vacation mode for you. So <laughs> you're still on vacation. Yeah, kindly drag that back into the inbox. That'd be great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, um, they, they lost a very veteran score uh, that knows how to put the puck in the net. And they only have Caravan and Spechnikov. What a luxury that must be. Uh, now, getting back to the free agency class of 2023, as I mentioned. I still think Carolina can make a big splash in that department via trade. And who says they have to keep Jesperi Kakaniemi? If you're looking for a guy like maybe JT Miller or Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko, insert other player here, if you're looking for, for a young player with untapped potential and a lot of term, Yes, Barry Kakaniemi, I think, fits that bill pretty nicely. If, for whatever reason, he doesn't develop into the player that you want him to be as a good, solid top-nine winger or a solid second- or third-line center, then maybe, just maybe, he's a trading piece that you use to get what you really, really want. Because, um, as, as I've been saying in the past couple of years, you only get so many shots with this group if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, a very budget-friendly group with a lot of offense that eventually is going to get their money's worth. And it, eventually those missed opportunities catch up with you. And again, this is a team that isn't paying 10 plus million to their first best, second best, third best, or fourth best board, unlike, I don't know, Toronto, let's say. They're the, the budget is, for the most part, spread across pretty evenly. And they also have a lot of short-term investment in their goaltending as well. The tandem of Freddie Anderson and Nancy Ranta is on a very short-term level. And their future between the pipes outside of those two is still undeterred. They have Kochkov in the system as well. Um, they have some other goaltending prospects too. But... In terms of NHL-ready prospects, you're not really sure what you have there. With this veteran group, you know you're going to have good coaching. You know you're going to have good, stable defense. You know the forward group has what it takes to get it done. You have a young Seth Jarvis that I think has, um, hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can do. So um, maybe they don't have a cast base right now to make the moves that they need to make to to get themselves to that next level. I think it's going to be a Vegas situation where you see what you have the first couple of months, and then if you need to swing for the fences and make a big trade, you make a big trade. Um, 
maybe Pacioretty is a part of that return, assuming that he knows he's going to a place where he's going to get ice time when he's healthy, when he's ready to go. Uh, because I'm not really keen on stashing someone on LTIR, um, unless I know for sure that I'm getting prime solid value out of that player. And that and and that's not to say Max Pacioretty won't be able to do that when he's healthy, but again. If you're Carolina and you're in a heavily stacked Metro division, you can only wait for so long before you have to make a choice. So um, there's no guarantee that Max Pacioretty plays for Carolina at all this year. Um, It all depends on how the start of the season goes. Um, It would be nice if he got to play in Carolina and got to demonstrate his potential because I definitely think he can be a key piece of that offense. But if, if things don't go the way that the team uh, thinks they're going. Um, I I think we've been pretty clear that Don Waddell isn't afraid uh, to make moves, and he's not afraid to make bold moves either. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think Carolina's done with this news. I mean, I, I guess the thing that you have to consider with Pacioretty is the fact that, yeah, he'll... It's not like a Robin Leonard situation because... Uh, Pacioretty can come back um, in February and it's like it's also not a Kucherov situation where like you know so they they have to consider the cap situation so it's not like they can go out and get a Patrick Kane super easily just because they they still have to like be able to uh, to afford uh, or you know be under uh, the cap when uh, Pacioretty comes back so yeah we'll see um, I will say it's. Uh, I like their bargain signing of Andre Kasha, Paul Stastny, as you mentioned, um, it, making the same value as Kasha. And I think, uh, in theory, what they're looking for is that kind of production from Stastny in a bottom six role, which is something uh, they didn't really get from Derek Stefan, who, by yeah. the way, they are bringing back on a PTO. He's not off the books yet. So yeah. He might still be with the team. But he's gonna have to earn his spot on that roster. See that that that's where I'm not sure he's gonna be a bottom six guy. I feel like he might be a top like the second line center for them. But yeah, and that depends on what happens with Kakiyami as well. Like you said, there's yeah. a lot of ebbs and flows with this roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I it guess should also be noted by the way. I just realized this. Teravine and Anamo have two years left on their deals, so yeah. that's what I mean by capitalizing on the group that you have. Of course, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I guess I know what you mean. I mean, we'll, we'll see, like, maybe co- it will all depend on the preseason and how training camp goes for them, but I could totally see Stasny being, like, the guy to replace Trocek. Even, even still, though, if you look at their roster as a whole, with or without the Pacioretty injury, I think this team has what it takes to win a division yep. title again. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. Um, all right, uh, Carey Price, um, it's not like, um, it's not imminent or official like uh, Robin Leonard is out for the year, but they're saying that Carey Price is going to uh, need surgery, um, but... Potentially. Potentially, uh, what, yeah. What's going to happen? But they're going to, oh, oh, hold on, I, they're, they're going to wait until, like, training yeah. camp starts uh, to yes. make a official standing but it does seem likely that he's going to be out for right. the season uh due to right. surgery but when but, they when yeah. he does the physical then yeah. they're going to give a more precise update 
but GM yep. Ken Hughes of the Habs basically said he's not so optimistic about his status in terms of his health. Yep. The rehab hasn't gone according to plan. Surgery could be required, in which case it's likely he could be lost for the year. Right. So that's that's basically what we know now. However, it, it, yeah. It sucks. Yeah, however, unlike... Um, Unlike Robin Leonard and the Vegas Golden Knights, like Montreal is kind of like not really going to compete this year. So yeah, it's uh, so from that standpoint, like this is fine. Of course, it's sad because this is Carey Price we're talking about. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I I think we'll we'll end up seeing like it's not official yet, but it seems likely that he's uh, we may have seen the last of Carey Price. Um, this year or uh, forever <laughs> i think prime carry price yep. or any ounce of prime carry price that's left is gone yep and it's and this is the danger card of playing your goalie too much and leaning on your goalie too much as we mentioned with Braden Holby, all of the games he was playing in some of his prime years that caught up to him and it's catching up with carry price as well to the point where he's not even healthy to be on the ice with his guys for like half the year like last year he only got into like a handful of games and that could be the most recent stretch of hockey that we'll see him play over the next year or so it it, it sucks how father time has really caught up to him and he's still got a handful of years left on that massive contract so financially he's he's set but you know Carey Price he's he's a good teammate he's mm-hmm. a competitor he wants to be out there he wants to help his team win no matter how good or how bad they are and as an athlete it just sucks to be just helpless on the sidelines to know that i want to be out there and i can go out there and play but my body is just telling me no you're not playing because you're not healthy you're not physically able to go out there and give it your all like you said for so many years and it, it, it just sucks to to see the, uh, I, I would call it the, the, the downfall of Gary Price. Uh, that 2021 playoff run is probably the last signs of Brian Gary Price we may ever see on the NHL surface. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll, if, if we do end up seeing him, that's great, obviously, but, um, but yeah, it seems like it's very likely that his career is over um, in the NHL. Of course, he's still alive, and he probably yeah, will. Yeah, no. I mean, it's not like we're having a funeral yeah, for the yeah. guy, and, he, and he's gone through so many yeah. bigger things, so yeah. much bigger things than hockey. That's yeah. why he won the Bill Masterton Trophy is for yeah. his courage to just get through that. Yeah. Um, but and, and, you know, he's, he's going to retire at some point. But sure. It, it, it's just like I'd rather a guy retire on his own terms. And yeah. this isn't his own terms. He's no. being forced to sit out because performance-wise, he, he just can't because yep. he's injured. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, in terms of guys not retiring, um, the uh, lastly, I think we – yeah, this happened, I think, like almost like a day after we our last episode. So we almost forgot that we didn't even discuss this. Uh, but, uh, yeah, David Krejci signs with the Bruins officially. There were reports that he was going to do this, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, so that's nice to see. Um, it's a one, uh, one year, one million, uh, for them. 
Uh, there's also a uh, bonus uh, for two million. I believe the bonus is, oh yeah, it says it here. He gets 500K at 20 games played for the year. Um, and then even more insane for, <laughs> if you think of it from the standpoint of um, how unfair it is, because like, uh, well, I'll just say it here. Uh, Bergeron signs a one-year five million, uh, or sorry, two point five million contract with a no movement clause, and he also gets two point five million in terms of bonuses, um, but only if he plays ten games. Um, and so, before anyone says that this is cap circumvention, it's not because, uh, well, first off, there's a, like a huge criteria which I didn't even realize um, that like you have to be thirty-five years or older in order to do this and you also like um there's just like a certain amount of things uh but uh uh and and i think it's also like the the bonuses that bergeron and Krejci are going to make um or very likely are going to make uh they're going to go towards the cap for next year for the bruins um so what I would imagine this means is that uh, Bergeron and Krejci are probably going to retire next year, um, and and then uh, the Bruins will have like that bonus. Is they're going to pay off those bonuses that they made to Bergeron and Krejci um, next year. Um, yeah, this is this is kind of cool for Bergeron. It's like as I was kind of alluding to, Bergeron could be making easily. Uh, Ten million dollars uh, for uh, for any team on the open market, um, but just the fact that he uh, makes two point five million here for the Bruins is uh, it's great. Just shows how loyal Patrice Bergeron is to the team that drafted him, uh, and um, and that's just captain material. That's just uh, it's great. I think like there was he was always going to sign with the Bruins. Um, it was really just. A matter of like if he was going to retire or not um and not only that the fact that like he had the best season of his career um just from like a selkie standpoint um two-way forward standpoint um uh, this past year so it would have been crazy if he uh retired from that standpoint but i don't know the more that this didn't end up like the more that they prolonged it the more i felt like okay bergeron's gonna retire and then it didn't end up happening. Um, Krejci, it's great to see that he's back as well. I, I welcome him with open arms. Um, and yeah, it's it's cool that he got to play in uh, Chechia uh, for his uh, friends and family. And he, he didn't have a terrible season for them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's nice to like, yeah, we'll, eventually we'll, the Bruins will have to worry about the center situation um, in a, you know, next year. But, you know, at the moment, it's like, okay, it's kind of cool that, like, these two guys are so loyal to the Bruins that they're, they're just going to they're gonna sign with them and, you know, give it one last shot. Um, what's interesting, though, um, is there was, I, I think, I don't know if I alluded to this in or mentioned this last year when it happened, but Krejci went on to Boston Radio. He was interviewed there. And he mentioned something about the fact that uh, he was kind of pissed off at Bruce Cassidy because when he was on the team, he mentioned that he wanted to play with his uh, Czech Republic, Czechia 
teammate, uh, David Pasternak, um, and he was kind of upset that they broke up the Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line, um, uh, and um, and that may have this Cassidy firing may have met like the reason why Krejci retired last year, or quote unquote retired, or moved to Chechnya uh, for a year was because he was upset about Cassidy, um, and so so if that's the case, then then I can totally understand that. Um, so Krejci signs back, and reportedly. Uh, he's going to play with David Pasternak uh, on the second line, um, uh, according to like a bunch of reports from Bruins beat writers. And uh, not only that, Taylor Hall is going to be on his other wing, which he played well with uh, towards the end of the season um, two years ago. Um, so like that, that's that's something that I kind of look forward to. It's like yeah, and then it seems that Zaka and DeBrusque are going to be with Bergeron. Uh, of course, Marshawn is will eventually uh, join that top line uh, once he's uh, healthy um, again. But um, and oh, wait, and I, I forgot to mention that uh, Zaka did sign um, as well uh, three point three point five million for uh, a, a year there. Um, and also to mention before I bring it back to you, um, the uh, Bruins have about. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven free agents next year. And that's including Pasternak, Swayman, and Bergeron, of course, and Krejci. But, like, you know, so just the fact that, like, like yeah, the bonuses are probably going to be something that's going to hurt them next year. But at the same time, they have a lot of expiring contracts this this next year and a lot of money to deal with. Like, yeah, they will eventually have to sign Pasternak and Swayman to long-term deals, but they have a couple of, you know, uh, money to to deal with even still that they'll be able to afford uh, to uh, sign Pasternak and Swayman long-term. Um, anyways. So you're telling me that Jake DeBrus wasn't the only reason Bruce Cassidy was fired. Uh, Oh, well, yeah, I would, <laughs> yeah, I guess there is that too, but I mean, I don't, I don't know, I, I mean, as good as Krejci is and, and DeBrusque is in spurts, I don't know if, I, I feel like there might be even more to it, but yeah, those were, there are two reports of like, okay, DeBrusque and Krejci are happy that Cassidy is gone, for sure. So I think a lot of this is to appease David Pasternak to the point where he signs an extension. Yep. It's why they bring back David Krejci, put him on the same line. They're check, they're check buddies. Um, you keep Patrice Bergeron. You see what a new face behind the bench is going to do, and you try to make more with what you have as the current roster. Yep. That that, that part makes sense. Again, I don't know if it's going to work. Right. <laughs> I. It, remains to be seen if Bruce Cassidy was the problem and the reason for Boston's struggles. At the same time, I can understand why they do this, and maybe for the Bruins, it's all going to be worth it if Pasternak signs on the dotted line and commits long-term and signs for whatever the heck they agree to. Um, but uh, I, I still don't know what to expect from the Bruins. 
especially with with the sense making as as many uh, additions as they have. I think at the very least there there's going to be some serious competition for fourth. Yeah, like it's not going to be the top three and then Boston and then everyone else is just way down there. Yeah, like there's actually going to be some serious competition there, um, and that competition is going to catch up with Boston, like you said, once Pasternak's due to get paid, once Swayman is due to get paid. Um, you got barg- uh, bargain contracts with Bergeron and Krejci now, and, that, and that's all fun and dandy, but that'll only take you so far as as those guys are. Well, there's also yeah. They also have a bargain contract with uh, Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, but yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, and Brad Marchand so, will be time uh, yeah. to, to pay to pay him and his due as well. So, right. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I I can definitely see that this the reason they brought Krejci back was to appease Pasternak because um, if the one thing holding him back was Don Sweeney as GM, yep. he's he's been, Don Sweeney is at least trying everything he can in his power to convince Pasternak to stay in Boston, and right. I applaud him for that. Yep. Whether or not it works, I don't know, but I applaud him for at least trying. Yep. Also to mention, Zaka is uh, uh, Chechia, is also from Chechia. Uh, <laughs> so put him on the same line, I yeah. guess. No, I, I was thinking that just call it the checkmate line. The check line, yeah. Yeah, or the checkmate line. The check I feel like that line, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but oh, uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> the checkmate line would be perfect. But uh, I, I and, and just it, like have a promo when they're yeah. playing chess. But I, I, it's it sounds like they're gonna make it Hall, Krejci, and Pasternak, which I'm really looking forward to because uh, Hall and Krejci were played really well together, and then you add Pasternak to that, it's like okay, this is you're dealing with gas there. Um, yeah, as for your point, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, this isn't, like, going to push the Bruins to the Florida, Toronto, Tampa level. But it's definitely, like, they're in contention. Like, they're still, like, in it with, like, Ottawa and Buffalo and Detroit, who all made new moves. Um, and Montreal is probably still going to be last. But, like... Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see this being where, like, the Bruins are still going to be in fourth place in the Atlantic division. Um, I don't know if they're going to go past the first round, though. Uh, that's the bigger question. But, yeah, definitely the Bruins are... This brings me gives me more confidence that the Bruins are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying in terms of like, yeah, Ottawa made some big moves. Uh, Buffalo c- could surprise some people. Detroit made a lot of moves too, so that could end up working out for them too. But um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm just biased in a homer, but yeah, I, I totally think that the Bruins are going to make it to the playoffs this year. But next year, it seems like, you know, that they're not going to, you know, this is just the last year that the Bruins are going to compete, and next year, uh, the Bruins are just going to start to rebuild and and see what they have in Lysel, see what they have in Lorai, see what they have in St- even like Stanika, or um, <laughs> still believe in Stanika at this point. Yeah, that, but the prospect is, is the big yeah. thing because at, at least with yeah. you know the guys like Colorado, if they're facing Capron, same with Tampa Bay, same with yeah. Carolina. Same with a bunch of other hockey teams. Um, at the very least, if a veteran leaves, uh, 
this soda is another great example. If you're in a cap crunch, you can just plug someone in for the minor yep. leagues, and they just fit right in. Another I don't know if you have sure. enough NHL caliber no. players in the minors to do that. No. No, I mean, the Bruins do, like, I, I still, like, maybe I'm just high on Oscar Steen or whatever, uh, but, yeah, I, I totally agree, and, like, Colorado and Minnesota have that luxury. I think the thing with the Bruins is that they traded a lot of their first-round picks, so, like, they naturally just don't have a lot of high, high-end high prospects guys, Lysel and uh, Lurai notwithstanding, but, like, you know, they do have a guy like uh, Potras, who they drafted this year, um, who might not be bad. Johnny Beecher, they drafted in 2019. Um, he could be decent. Uh, Brett Harrison, um, great name, but uh, he could be something someday. So, yeah, we'll see. But, um, but yeah, the, the prospect pool isn't going to be that strong. But who knows? I, I think, like, you know, I, I, I think I like in the Bruins to the Penguins and the Capitals. It's like they've been competing for two decades now. And their prospect pool shows in that um, in, in all three of those teams. Um, but, yeah, eventually they're going to have to, you know, stink for a while like Detroit did and like um, what... Uh, what Chicago's doing now, what Columbus kind of did um, uh, a couple of times until they went out and got Goudreau. But, um, yeah, so I, I could totally, like, see it happening where, like, the Penguins, the Bruins, and the Capitals are going to be fighting for that first overall pick in maybe, like, two years or three years, um, which is fine. I, I, I hope it's not yeah. Pittsburgh that wins the lottery. That would be so unfair. Yeah, but would you hate it if your division rival, the Bruins, got first-round pick in 2024? I mean, <laughs> if Ottawa's better, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If Ottawa still sucked at Boston, yeah. God, that would be worse. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I guess it's like the equivalent of Buffalo or uh, getting Darlene <laughs> and all yeah. those guys, or Austin Matthews to Toronto, or, or even now with... Uh, Montreal getting Slavkovsky, so it'll just be another one of those things, but um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, anyways, I guess that about does it here um, for us at Lace Them Up. Um, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed your August, um, and yeah, we, we should be a weekly thing from now on until yeah. the end of the year. Um, and as you know, as you could probably tell, we're we're still a little rusty, but bear with us. We'll we'll get our, our legs back pretty yeah, soon. We're still preseason mode. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're we're not at training camp just yet. We're we're we're, we're just yeah, trying we're something. Just out the chicken wings. We're in, we're in the gym. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, yeah. That that about does it here for us. Um, I'm Brett Duba. Oh, uh, see, I, I am. So <laughs> I am. I am a uh, rusty. Us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, I am rusty here. Um, the uh, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can follow us or subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever else you get your podcasts at Lace Them Up. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. Steve Ellsworth will talk again in episode 332 next week on the Lisa Mutt Podcast.